the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Legends. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky and joining me, as always, late in the week, Mike Calabrese and Mike Randall. Calabrese, all you do is podcast with other guys named Mike. Uh, what's going on, gentlemen? Mike, how are you? I guess I, I, guess I, I can't say Mike, how are you? I got to direct it. Calabrese, how's it going? Feeling good. You know, Michael was the number one name in the world in 1986, the year I was born. I think Muhammad took it down every other year in the 80s. So I'm glad to be surrounded with some other mics. I feel it's a warm blanket around me here in podcast land. I'm doing good. I'm excited to uh, to rant and rave a little bit in a college basketball landscape that just you can't trust anybody. Nobody's good. Nobody can win on the road. So I'm feeling a little bit George Costanza where it's like if every instinct I have is to take a favorite and that's wrong, then the opposite must be right. So I think I'm going to have to test that out over the weekend. The Well, you mentioned my – I don't have to run into the problem. You guys do. My I mean, People call me Stucky, but my real name is George. But you just mentioned another George, George Costanza. I don't run into too many Georges. Uh, the name got a little popular with uh, – who was it? George the – Prince George. When the prince – so like then you saw like a little boom of Georges. But um, – Randall, what's going on, brother? Listen, man, last night was not for the faint of heart. I was doing pretty well. Last night was a roller coaster. Did you see the comeback that Cal had? I mean, they were getting crushed 50 to 31 by Colorado, came storming back. Last night was a wild ride, guys. It was two gin martinis for me last night. This was rough. As Mike said, can't win on the road. If you're up big early, it's like a terrible sign. We are back, folks. College basketball is back exactly the way we love it. Yeah, the tournament is going to be uh it's gonna be awesome because there's I think it's just wide open. And yeah, Colorado's they've a lot more they they've been underperforming. They've been in a free fall the last three games. They given their talent, they sh- I, I'm pretty disappointed in what Tad Boyle has done. And and USC, some of these teams in the Pac 12, man, USC loses again. They lose at home to Washington State. We've seen what UCLA is doing. The Pac 12 is way down uh, overall from top to bottom. Uh, but before we get into everything, I just want to remind everyone, this podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms conditions apply, must be 21 or older, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Before we get into the weekend, and of course, we'll get into our futures roundtable as we do every Thursday. Let's recap the week that was. We kind of talked about it's just one one high one high level takeaway, then we'll get into some rants. I'll say something that we were right on last week, and well, early in the week, I should say, is I I just don't see it with this Marquette team, and they lose at home to Butler. And now they lose Sean Jones for the year. He was an important rotational piece for them. 
I they really miss Prosper. I mean, look, Butler is is a pretty good team trending up, but to lose that game after he lost on the road to Seton Hall, I think that's red flags. I don't see it with this Marquette team. Marquette is still in the top 20 in Ken Palm, and we're going to do an exercise before we do futures portfolio. I'm just going to go through the top 20, and you guys are just going to say yes or no, whether or not you can see that team winning the national title. Spoiler alert, I don't see it with Marquette. Um, so I think that loss at home was very telling. Like this part, after a loss on the road last year, you would not have seen this Marquette team lose that game. Uh, Randall, I'll throw it to you. You got one high level takeaway from this week. Yeah, the big takeaway is will somebody step up in the ACC? I guess it's North Carolina, guys. I have not been a fan of North Carolina. I think Hubert Davis is very shaky in big games. However, I will tell you, I think their talent and the play of R.J. Davis has just taken them to another level. He's playing like a first-team All-American. Baycott is better. Ingram gives you things. Cadeau is great going to the basket. And this is an ACC where Virginia looks very shaky. NC State, they just beat. You have Duke, of course. But where is Miami? I mean, I talked about Miami on the future last week, guys. They lo- I said, when are they losing, right? Well, they go to Wake Forest, no Poplar. Okay, so you can excuse that because they lost in overtime at Wake. Okay, fine. Then they lose at home to Louisville by nine as 16.5-point favorites. So Louisville start, look- start was starting a walk-on. Yeah, right. just catastrophic loss. And Poplar is back for that game. So I guess the ACC, guys, is North Carolina and Duke. Virginia, I guess I just don't trust their offense, but ho hum, the rest of it is just very mediocre. Yeah, I really like this North Carolina team, uh, I, although they've cost me three bets in a row. I faded them. I just thought that they were overpriced. Thanks. I will say, Pitt, five of twenty nine from three. Clemson, one of eighteen from three, and then last night, NC State, two of twenty one. Uh, that's quick Mac three of 39, five of 29, eight for what 70. Yep. So, no one has made a three, and it's not like the, this North Carolina team is a team that just completely shuts down the three teams are getting you know decent looks from the perimeter, and no one can hit a shot. So, I will say that has helped their case over the last three games. I mean, if, if you should go one of 18, one of 20 from three, you're not going to win a game, but. Yes, the town is there. With yeah, Baycott inside, R.J. Davis, even Trimble's played really well, and then Cadeau, who's re- really highly touted recruit. The reason I really like the upside with North Carolina is if he continues to get better at point, then they can really reach their ceiling uh, for sure. But they've definitely benefited from some three point regression over the past few games. Calvary, you have uh, main takeaway from this week. Well, real quick, just on Marquette, I mean, how long ago does Maui feel at this point? Like, it's not even the same team that, you know, was nearly running the table out there. Um, And additionally, maybe it's because I have PTSD from being here in Philly in the Ben Simmons situation. But when there's a point guard that can score but just chooses not to score, like Kolek, it's like it's all hands on deck right now. The offense is going through this lull you got to show up. And for him not to show up at all in the last two games, I agree with you. I think this is really troubling. Their schedule may hide the fact that they're falling off a cliff, but the road trip to St. John's on the 20th, I think that's quickly becoming a must-win to stabilize their entire season. Um, I just have two quick, quick notes that I, I saw on Twitter that I thought were really interesting about what's happening with top teams struggling on the road this year. Evan Maya put out that 
it's harder this year more than ever for high majors to win on the road of the top seven conferences home teams are winning 66 percent of the time in league play that's up five percent over the previous two years so basically if you're, you're on your home floor in a power conference you got a chance and the second one really caught my eye top 15 teams on the road against unranked competition this season are now 16 and 19 that's horrific so yeah i i think we're we've been like dancing around this you know in the, the first few episodes of, of this season covering college basketball but it is so wide open and there's so few reliable combinations of you know scores coaches who know what they're doing in critical situations and teams that can string together multiple wins away from their home floor uh all right let's get into a quick rant and you could it could be from this week this season anything remember this is a safe space you know what pisses me off most of all Okay, you're ranting now, baby. Yeah, I'm ranting. Why not? Gotta let it out somehow. I'm gonna go. People, I, I see this. People, you know, a lot of this is new content creators, new betters, but a lot of people that rant about CLV and oh my god, I got this such a good line and I lost. Um, so here, this is how you should look at it. I'll, I'll take last Saturday. I had a bunch of bets where I got good lines and lost. All that happens when you get a good line. Now that's the best indicator that you're good better over the long run. It's you have to. It's a long sample size. If you just take one bet and say you beat the line, the closing line by a couple points, that's good because essentially, what you took your if you were just a coin flipper, you had no edge, you would then go from say fifty percent probability of winning that bet to now fifty five, let's say percent. So if I sat in front of you and said here's a coin, I'm going to flip it. And you guessed heads and it was tails. Hey, I was wrong. If I said there's a 55% chance that you're going to get it right, and you got it wrong. You wouldn't be completely out of your mind that you lost. It's just one game. That's going to, I, I will tell you three point regression, late game variance will trump closing line value over a small sample size at oh, any time. So you have to get that out of your head. It's good to beat the close over the long run. You're going to come out ahead, but we're talking thousands of bets over the short run, especially one bet. Just because you beat the close doesn't mean that you're going to win that bet or you should have won that bet. You just improved your probability a little bit. So get that out of your head. And then people that also remove the possibility of, of tilting. You're going to have a lot of bets where you could beat the close. Your team doesn't make any threes. You know, they keep fouling at the end and you get a bad run out. It happens. It also happens on the other end. You get a, a bad line and you win because of three-point variance and things of that nature. So hate seeing that. Just get, get that out of your head. Accept that over small, short periods, small sample sizes. This is college basketball. Crazy shit in the final minute is going to swing one way or the other on many bets. That's just random. And then three-point variance. The, with the, the prevalence of the three-point shot, if your team shoots 50% and the other team shoots two of 20 Guess what? You're probably going to lose your bet, and that's okay. On to the next one. Uh, Randall, anything you want to rant about? Yeah, listen, Tom Izzo, pipe down here, okay? We keep saying that Izzo's going to get it right, and I like Michigan State, but that interview against after the Northwestern game was awful. Maybe he's Belichick in a basketball sheep's clothing here, so maybe he should retire with all these other guys. Terrible rant. First of all, he blasts analytics, which is a terrible look. He takes a passive-aggressive shot saying, well, you know you can't blame the players, which reminds me of when parents used to say to me, you know, with all due respect, which means with no respect. 
So that's what yep. you're doing is you're blaming the players. So he blasts analytics. He blames the players indirectly. And then he says he can't take the football pads out because he's going to get sued. You know, Tom, maybe we should stay away from sued with Michigan State. You know, maybe you should go a different direction here. Honestly, I think it's a terrible look for them. It reminds me of Clint Eastwood. Get off my lawn with that rant. Folks, the Spartans are one in three in the Big Ten. If Tyson Walker doesn't have at least 20, they can't beat anyone. Illinois loses Terrence Shannon, and they drill his same Northwestern team by 30 points, and then they lose at Purdue by five. Enough complaining, Tom. We know you want to win. You have enough talent. Just get it right. Don't start complaining after a terrible loss to a Northwestern team who we should be celebrating for a big one. Yeah, uh, bad luck. Izzo is falling off fast. He's getting old quick. Um, and, I mean, maybe he knows his team and he's pushing a button, but just I didn't – that was a horrendous rant. It went off the rails very quickly. Calabrese, anything from you? So it is so frustrating to me with modern college basketball where everyone coaches as though they have pro three-point shooters, where, yes, there's three-point variance. But what is your backup plan? Like if you have a lead and all of a sudden four or five possessions in a row, you're clanging threes. Like, do you have some sets you can run? Is there, you know, a, a way for you to get to the basket? Is there anybody you can play in the post to try to get some touches there? And this all got triggered by the fact I'm a St. Joe's basketball fan. It's really the only college sports team that I have an emotional connection to. And I've been trying to really hold off from going full into the season and expecting a postseason run NIT or the NCAA tournament. And they're up 20 against St. Louis. Their win expectancy was 97.6. They take 35 goddamn three-pointers. A lot of them were bad in the half court. Contested threes from the corner, just not open looks. But when you look at the rest of the box score, like you can't lose this game up 20. They finished plus seven in the offensive rebounding margin. They only commit five turnovers for the whole game and go 23 for 28 from the line. You should win that 100 times out of 100. And Billy Lang, I mean, he's a dope. Like, he, I, I don't understand what he's coaching. I understand that when it looks really good, when Reynolds is bombing in threes and shooting seven for 13 from long range, he, this guy looks like the A-10 sleeper coach of the year. But such a frustrating loss. And really, one of those differentiating losses between, are they really a top six team in the A-10, or is this just more St. Joe's Hawk basketball that I've unfortunately gotten used to in recent years? Yeah, uh, Billy Lang questions reemerge. Uh, but let's move on to... Let's not talk about the past and get to the future. So let's get to the futures roundtable. Before we do, I'm going to go through the top 20 currently ranked teams on Ken Palm. And I guess we'll do it this way. If you think that they can't, after I say the name, just speak up and say no. And then I might add, might prod. Houston, Arizona, Purdue, Auburn, Connecticut, Tennessee. Duke. Yeah, I don't think Tennessee can do it. No, you're not a Tennessee believer. Offense? Not uh, offense and, and and the head coach. I mean, let's let's get real. Like I'm closing my eyes, and he's going to win multiple close games, and you know the elite eight, the final four. I I don't see it. Duke, Alabama. I'm saying no on Alabama. Yeah, I'll say no on Alabama with you. Yeah, I mean, you, you you know the reasons stuck. It's mainly the defense for me. They're ultra. They can't get stops, and they're super reliant on the three. Yeah, that's a bad formula in, in a one and done situation. Uh Illinois. Yeah. I'll yeah, I'll say no unless Shannon comes back, which I don't see happening. North Carolina, no way, they're not getting the title. Guys. Davis, they can make a run. I like Davis. 
No, I, I, it's Hubert. No, I'm saying the other Davis. That, oh, that's Hubert. Yeah, it's Hubert, and it's I have not seen enough improvement from Baycott. I get it, but besides that sample size, when we saw the great run, I think he's been a little disappointing. He's hit or miss. I just don't think the consistency's there. I really don't. Yeah, good Baycott is so good, and then he yeah. just disappears. It's, it's very bizarre. Wisconsin, I'm going to say no. No, no on Wisconsin. BYU, no. I'm mean, no. no. Absolutely not. Not, not yet, no. Creighton? No, no. zero. No. no. Nope. Baylor? I'm saying no. No. Um, it's not their defense. Year. Yep. Iowa State. Well, we disagree. Iowa State, I mean, if they played it, you know, at Hilton, sure. But they, they got to win games. They don't, have, they, don't have enough, they don't have enough offense. I don't yeah. consistent offense. Kentucky, Michigan State, no. No way. Get off my lawn. No way. <laughs> Marquette, I'm saying no. No. Kansas, I'm saying no. They need a they need a shooting guard. They need a shooter. Yeah, a shooting guard. They don't have it. And Oklahoma, I'm saying no. No. So that'll lead us into our futures roundtable. Last week we decided on t- we'll, we you brought Miami. Who did you bring, yeah. Calvary's? I brought Baylor, which Baylor. Looking okay, at the tiny one. I brought Texas A&M. We lost two games. <laughs> And they lost to the LSU at home, which is a horrific loss. I, I maybe they get Marble back. I don't know what's going. He's like, I could, I, there's rumors that he might come back. I'm still fine with Texas A&M as long as they get into the dance, which they should, making a run and winning, you know, four games. So I, I'm still fine with it. They need to start making some shots though. Like holy moly, make a three one time. But let's get to what we're bringing. And then you, yeah, Randall brought Miami. Luckily. We didn't buy them Thank at that God. time um, after losing to Louisville, one of the worst losses of the year. But uh, onward we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a conference future. Me and... too. It's funny. Me too. Go ahead. Well, hopefully we. I have a backup, so I'll let you go first in case it's the same one. Um, no, I, don't, I doubt it's the same one. You go okay. for. I think I'm safe. Good. I'm gonna go with Houston plus two hundred to win the big 12 regular season right now, Kansas is the favorite, which they should disagree. I disagree with that. And it's not like, I know Houston just lost, but Kansas also just lost. And Houston's loss was at Iowa state in Hilton where it's, you know, it was a great spot for Iowa state. They were up 14, nothing still had to barely hold on Kansas lose. Yeah. I, I mean, I think mainly what this is, is I think that, Kansas, given their, you know, Bill Self, who I respect, and Kansas's track record, I think it's just their track record is influencing what this price is. Like, oh, Kansas always wins the Big 12. And this is a team that, you know, if you go by some advanced metrics, some analytical sites, like this was a team that was, especially if you remove priors and your uh, previous biases, this is a team that's like borderline top 25. And they've gotten away with it because they won a ton of close games. Right. You, you know, you you barely held on to beat UConn, who was banged up in that game at home. Uh, you beat TCU at, by two at home. A bunch of very beneficial calls at the end of that game. Coles didn't even play for TCU. Then you lose at UCF. So they were winning a lot of close games, which I think, you know, come the Indiana game could have went either way uh, at Indiana, which I think is really kind of inflating where people think of this Kansas team. I have Houston favored in every game the remaining the remainder of the season i Kansas just doesn't have enough secondary scoring and I, I think houston actually matches up well with them and then i look at the rest of the big 12 i think byu we've seen like hey it was 
you know, good team, but not as elite as, you know, some of the advanced metrics suggested due to their schedule. Iowa State, I just don't think they have enough offense to get there. They'll drop some games. And then, like, who else? Texas Tech off to a fast start. I don't ultimately trust them. Baylor, I don't trust their defense. So, you know, I go through the rest of the Big 12, and I I think Houston has the defense, the pedigree, the experience, the coaching. I think they come out on top. I think they should be the favorite. I think we're getting a good number here, plus 200 to win the regular season. Uh, Randall, feel free to share your thoughts on that one, and then what do you got for your conference future? That's going to be a tough one to beat. You're giving me plus money on Houston on anything with the level of defense they're playing. That is a really, really good one. Well done, my friend. Uh, this is going to tie into what we just talked about with Billy Lang. Guys, this is a little off the radar, but how about UMass to win the A-10 at plus 1,700? Here's my rationale. Yes, I, I like I the front court. The front court's good. So well, I mean, you're starting from a place of you know, strength. Yeah, their front court is, is good. That was an impressive battle against Dayton. They got down big, and then they were able to eat them up a little bit up front. They did some nice things. Josh Cohen, who's come over to the team, 15 points, hit a three, almost hit a second one, which, in that, which would have given them the lead. Matt Cross does a lot of really good things. And this is a team that is Frank Martin's team. The way they're playing defense, up and down the floor, top 50 turnover rate in the league, great on the interior defense. They're scoring. Just got to get better on their free throws. But my point is this. Outside of Dayton, St. Bonaventure, Richmond, VCU, all those teams have been up and down. George Mason, St. Joe's. If you look at Ken Palm, they are favored to win every single game except for two the remainder of the year. Away at St. Bonaventure, which is a big game, and away at and uh, away at Richmond, which they can definitely get. They got the Dayton away game out of the way. All they need, they're two and one here in the A10 plus seventeen hundred. I think UMass has a path. They got the best coach. They have a solid team. They're healthy. I still think that there's going to be no Malachi Smith for Dayton issues. I think that will creep up a little bit. And I don't like they how they left UMass, let, let UMass come back in the game at Dayton here. So there's a little crazy, but plus 1,700 for them to win the A-10, a down A-10 that may only get one bid here. I like them. And if not for that, I think I'm going to bet them to make a run in the A-10 tournament. What do you think, guys? Uh, I don't I don't. I think it's Kobe, Kobe Elvis. I think he's okay. He got hurt for Dayton, which would be a big loss for a team that doesn't have great depth. But I think that I don't know. I don't know if it's long term or not. I I don't I don't hate it. I think that the A ten is pretty wide open. You're the A ten guy, Calvary. What do you? But once you said the number, like when you right. when you started with UMass, I was like in my head like twelve to one, something like that, to get a number that lucrative. Because I agree, the you know outside of of homes at Dayton, you know they have the the best front court pairing, and honestly, when you look at the coaching too, it's understanding how to prepare for road games. It's understanding for the grind of conference play. Like he's been through it, and I think he can also motivate this team in exactly the way that you're saying, which is this is a one bid league. Like there, there's no absolute juggernaut here, and even in a loss, they proved that they can play at the highest level in the conference. So. It's interesting to me that they're only going to be uh, an underdog in two games the rest of the way, according to Ken Palm. I think that just validates your position. Um, but overall, I still think they're undervalued. And you look at certain teams and certain markets, they're just like sleepy teams of the public. They, they don't watch them. So they they end up hanging these stale numbers out there. I think 17 to one is way too generous. Yeah, they I just they need to find 
they had no shoot. They're not so they're not an overly reliant outside shooting team. Streak and yeah. um, they get a lot of offensive rebounds. So like they're not. It's not a team that's going to get bit too much by three point variance. But if they could find just some shooting, uh, outside shooting, it would do wonders for their offense. And, and yeah, you mentioned the the free throw shooting as well. Calvary's, what do you got? So Memphis is still out in the market to win the national title at 80 to one. And I'm glad that we just did that exercise, the top 20 teams, because there's so many teams in the Ken Palm top 20 that I'm not interested in playing at all. So that leaves a lot of room on my dance card to start adding in some of these, you know, longer shots. We know what we have offensively, you know, they've worked their way into the top 70 in, in Torvik and Ken Palm with known weapons like David Jones and Quinterly. Tomlin is really helping them on the defensive end as well. Quinterly, also what I like, and this is kind of, it just depends how you view close wins. I view it as they're getting this, the stress and anxiety and it's kind of building in some muscle memory because if they're going to win six games in March or really even to be able to hedge a bet like this, can they get to the final four? Can they win four games? They're going to have to win some close ones. And the fact of the matter is they keep winning close games and Quinterly is stepping up and playing that kind of alpha role down the stretch. Also, their schedule sets up, honestly, for a four or five loss season, really max at this point. When you look at the AAC, it's just not that deep. FAU is no longer, you know, a team I'm really scared about. So where does that put them in terms of March Madness seeding? Maybe a three, maybe a four seed, depending on how they do in the AAC tournament as well. So the fact is, if I can stack as many 50 to one plus teams in that three to four seed range, I think that's advantageous. So I want to go ahead and grab them. I think I only saw it at one shop at 80 to one. I think this is going to be the last few days of it. I understand that that UTSA game, they easily could have lost that one. I'm not saying that they're going to run roughshod through the AAC, but this number, I think, is just overly inflated still at 80 to 1. All right, uh, so let's go to the vote. I implemented a new rule here that for the whole season of voting, you can only vote for yourself three times. So you only can vote for your own pick three times. I voted for mine last week, so I have two left. I don't, th- I don't think you got – did you guys vote for your own? I voted for yours. You got me off. Yeah, I know you voted for mine. Can't remember. I think I may have voted for mine. So we're at one each. We have two remaining. But all right, we're gonna hold up one for Houston to win the Big 12, two for UMass to win the A10, three for Memphis to win the national title. And this is this is UMass regular season, right? UMass regular season. Yes, sir. Title A10, Houston, Big 12 title. All right, on three. One, two, three. Yeah, that's a clean sweep. That that Houston bet is mints. I, I, I actually voted. I actually voted for. Oh yeah. For oh, you went too. Okay. Sorry, I'm I'm not. I'm on my different computer. Houston uh, plus yeah, I, yeah. Houston. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go Houston. We could revisit UMass later. I Memphis maybe. I I can't see them winning the national title. I don't hate the number in a wide open year with a guy like Jones who can carry you. But I, there's a little fool's gold in Memphis right now. I mean, look. They're a little like Kansas light that they're getting away with. I mean, let's look back to beat VCU in overtime. They beat Texas A&M by six, Clemson by two, Vanderbilt by two, Tulsa by three, SMU by three, UTSA like, by like six said, in overtime. Uh, it just, it just depends how you view it. Cause you know, you go the, the variance monster where it's like, eventually they're going to drop a close game or you say the other way where it's like, 
they actually know what they're going to do. And I, I've actually been a little bit impressed with Penny, who I didn't think all that highly of in terms of an in-game coach. At least at the end of these games, he's not making the, the big gaffe and the mistakes in terms of managing, you know, foul situations up three, who are they going to go to the ball to, to take the last shot? At least he's proving to me that they're competent in those spots. I'm not saying that he's some kind of, you know, coaching wizard at this point, but I, I, I kind of view it. I understand what you're saying. It cuts both ways. Yeah. I, I also just don't, I don't trust Winterly at the end of the day. I still don't trust him. Um, any, uh, any final comments, Randall, before we move on to the weekend? No, I get it. I'll just say this, guys. Last year, if Kendrick Davis gets that shot off and they beat Florida Atlantic, they absolutely had a path to make the run. That was the pivot game. One yep. of those teams was going to get hot. It was a super close game. It was a great game. They get the timeout or Davis gets the shot off or whatever. They could have easily made a run. So, Mike, I do like it, though. I like the path. Yeah, Caleb Mills, who I was never really a fan of, but he fractured his patella, which is worth noting for Memphis. But let's move on to the weekend. We'll go rapid fire around the horn. You could go Friday, Saturday, or even Sunday if you want. I'll kick things off here. I'm going to go – let's go New Mexico at home and hoping that we can get around a pick. But the college basketball market is so much more efficient than it used to be. I mean, this line 15 years ago would open like plus three, um, plus two. But now it'll probably open like minus two, uh, minus three. But, it, I mean, look at – just to show you how much more difficult the college best market is like Iowa, Nebraska tomorrow. Um, I Nebraska's coming off that huge win, rush the court corn stored over Purdue. They go to Iowa a team that hasn't been overwhelming. What is, I, I don't even know what Ken Palm probably projects that at like a pick. Um, and I'm like saying to myself, I wish I'd hope the guy would get a pick, but I doubt it. And it opens two and a half goes to three and a half within one minute. Um, but I think this is a really good spot for New Mexico off a couple uh, back-to-back losses. San Diego State team hasn't been the same way from home, uh, escaped with a win at San Jose State the other night. But this New Mexico team have now had a couple games with all of their guards back to get into the flow. They got three-point variants the other night at UNLV, but they match up really well with San Diego State because they're those you need those guards to create hit mid-range jumpers, which they can do. Last year, they went to Vegas and won. And then at home, they lost, I think, on a crazy like buzzer beater. I lost it pretty much spiraled them at the end of the year to uh, keep them out of the tournament. I think, they'll, I think they'll be pretty focused here. Would love to get around a pick minus one-ish. Uh, but I have New Mexico circled as a great spot this weekend on Saturday. Randall, I'll throw it to you. Drake has been the class of the Missouri Valley Conference for years. But what most people will not realize coming off their big win over Indiana State, let's go back to 2019. They went to Southern Illinois and they won, but only by three points didn't cover. Then they go to Southern Illinois the next year. And when they play Southern Illinois the next year, they get destroyed by 17 by Southern Illinois. Then they play Drake the next year. Both games are away because that was COVID. Then in 2022, they play Drake at home. They lose by one. Then last year, they beat Drake at home by four. So what you're going to have is a Drake team coming off a big win over Indiana State. And everybody says they're the class of the Missouri Valley, but they don't realize that Southern Illinois is very quietly 12 and four. Are, is 4-1 and one in the Missouri Valley, and Xavier Johnson is playing at an elite level, and no one can stop him. This is a Salukis team. 
that is number two in the country at defending the three-pointer. They make a ton of threes, and they make their free throws, and they control the pace. I'm going to grab this right away. Ken Palm has it at Southern Illinois minus two. I think people are going to jump on Drake. I like the Salukis here to continue their path of playing well against Drake. This isn't your mother's Drake team. They're not as good as they used to be. Roman Penn, all those things. Went 16-0 to cover to start the year a few years ago. I'm taking Southern Illinois here with a big spot for the great Xavier Johnson. Yeah, I was also impressed. Terrible spot for Southern Illinois before the Drake game at Valpo. I got a prayer. They were up to 20 in that game at the half. Really focused effort. I got a prayer cover with Valpo. Yep. Oh, my God. They (laughs) inbounded the ball with like four seconds left and just chucked up a three down uh, 11. And uh, a kid on Valpo comes flying in and dunks it off the rim as time expires to lose by nine. Uh, Absolute miracle. Uh, Like the spot. Calabrese, what do you got? This is real quick. Did you see Xavier Johnson's glow up? as uh, a former George Mason Patriot. I mean, th- this guy is playing at such an absurd level. He's not just Crazy. scoring. I mean, he, this he's filling up the stat line every single night. So, yeah, I think he's he's very quietly putting himself in the mix to be considered the best mid-major basketball player this year, which, which is pretty wild. Uh, I'm going to start on Friday night. I like Dayton laying three at Duquesne. You know, the flyer offense, we've talked about it, like their statistical darling, Ken Palm, 11th. Torbeck seventh, eighteenth, and rim and three rate. I like what they showed me going on the road at. Wait, they're they're ca- they're catching too, catching too. By the way, oh, it's open already. Well, fantastic. Yep. I I do think you know some of their injury issues potentially in the backcourt. I think is going to influence that number. But the reason why I circle this one ahead of time is in the A10. There's no home court advantage for Duquesne as a home team since 2021. They've covered. of their games and they've only covered 38% of a 10 games in the last three years. So this is like a situational play that I I like to go ahead and fade the Dukes when I can. I know that they're even more dependent Dayton is on homes for big games, but I'm comfortable with that in this matchup. I think he's going to eat. And the fact that I'm now catching points, as I mentioned at the top, I would have gone all the way to lay into the edge of one possession at three points. I'm going to go to one that everyone is, uh, gonna hate, but I'm probably going back to the well with Texas A&M against Kentucky. Um, uh, kill me. This is, I mean, Texas A&M really veteran team. They, they were at right with Auburn right up until the end and could not make a shot. They're shooting 17% from three in SEC play. I think that they, they can control the offensive glass here. They can keep Kentucky, you know, as much as you can out of transition at home here after a couple of losses, desperation spot. I think we're getting Texas A&M at the very bottom of the market. Uh, Taylor had Wade Taylor had one of the worst games of his collegiate career at Auburn. Couldn't make anything. Couldn't make a layup at the end. I think he'll have a big game here. He's usually really good in these spots. So Texas A&M around a pick against Kentucky, kill me. But I think I'm going back to, I guess now our Aggies, Randall. Coasted last week with Bradley at home. Insert the incredible Hulk smash gif. Now they're on the road at Illinois, Chicago. Look, I love Illinois, Chicago. I got a soft spot here for the Flames because they won me a lot of money with a run in their conference tournament years ago. But Luke Yaklich's team just is horrific on offense. They can't make free throws. Bradley started 0-2. Remember, they played a lot of their games here. And they struggled early without Connor Hickman. So they're behind the eight ball. They lost to Murray State and Indiana State. So there's no margin for error. 
They look great. They're healthy. Pounded Valpo, pounded Missouri State, pounded Evansville. I think they get the win here at Illinois, Chicago. I get it. Rivalry. Maybe they keep it close. But I think Bradley is just too good right now. Hickman is playing really, really well. Well, I think the line's just too low. I think they cover. I hate we just talked, Mike, about teams covering on the road here in conference, but I think Bradley is really good. I don't think they're going to mess around with the Flames. I think they get the job done here. Calvary's. All right, I'm going to go to Saturday. Um, I've been waiting for Colgate to drop a game, and it's pretty rare when they drop a game at home in the Patriot League, but they just had one of those weird shooting nights against Lafayette. Still, despite that, their defense and offensive rebounding kept a minute. They still almost pulled it out. They're traveling to Bucknell. I'd lay up to three. Four, four, I'd probably go four points in this one because Bucknell is just awful offensively. They play really slow, but that's not a differentiator this year against Colgate. The, the Raiders are actually 308th in tempo this year, so I don't think that's going to throw them off. But critically, Bucknell is one of the worst rebounding teams in America, certainly at the bottom of the Patriot League. And this is where I think Keegan Records has a big game. He's coming off a double-double in that loss to Lafayette. I think he's going to get the best of Noah Williamson inside in this game. And I think Colgate gets right, gets off the mat in the Patriot League and wins comfortably. I'm going to go to the SEC here and a team that's been pretty surprising off to a 13 and two start in South Carolina. They kind of got some humble pie at Alabama. I'm, I think I'm going to fade them again on the road at Missouri. I mean, South Carolina, if you look at their schedule, I mean, look, they played two away games. They lost at Clemson and they got blown out against Alabama. They've won. I mean, they beat DePaul by five, Virginia tech by two, East Carolina by six, Charleston Southern by four. Uh, you know, so they've won a lot of close games that I think are kind of, you know, I mean, I've been more impressed with South Carolina compared to my preseason expectations. But I think Missouri can run its offense here. They will control the tempo at home. I think they'll can, I think this is just a good buy low spot on Missouri against the South Carolina team that's probably, even after the loss at Alabama, at the top of its market, still not a believer in this team. They still don't have shooting that I trust overall. So I'm going to look to back M-I-Z at home. Randall? Last one. You took it from me. That's a great pick. I had it on the list. So I will go to my I will go to my last one here on Saturday. Guys, I went to Boston College, had a lot of great memories there. Okay, we just hit it right with the sports and the Elite Eight and all that stuff, football, everything great. Okay, fantastic. You're telling me Clemson's going to lose four games in a row and they're going to lose at home to Boston College. Everything goes through point and post. I think Clemson can match up with them. This is a desperation spot for Clemson team. Yes, I know there's regression coming, but they're great on the boards. They shoot well at home. They just lost to Miami, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. They are not going on a four-game losing streak. I understand on Saturday the line Ken Palm has it at nine. I would lay double digits. My Eagles, I get it. Sometimes it's a good spot, guys. Notre Dame game, the whole thing. This is not the spot. I think you're going to get an angry Clemson team. They cannot go to one and four and lose to the Boston College Eagles. I will lay it. I'm sorry with my head, not my heart. Clemson at home against Boston College. What happened with Quinn Post in that last game? Like he had been killing it the whole year and just, I mean, talk about bottoming out in one performance. Like I, I didn't, I didn't see the actual game. So I don't know if he was banged up or something, but I was shocked when I saw the box score. I had a really rough game against Syracuse who made it a priority to guard him here. I mean, he was 26 minutes, no points, 0 of 2. And now he's going up against a front line in Clemson with P.J. Hall, who I think is going to be able to challenge him a little bit. So he just had a bad game. But you lose by 10 at Syracuse, I get it to bounce back spot. I just, how can Clemson lose four in a row and make the fourth one be Boston College? I can't see it, Mike. 
I was also, you, you mentioned uh, kind of disappearing acts. Clemson, I know he was in a little bit of foul trouble, but P.J. Hall uh, against North Carolina, I, I was a very underwhelming performance. He looked uh, just, I mean, he went 0-5 from three, 2-4 from the line. Uh, and he only, I think he only played like 20, 22 minutes because of some foul trouble, but he looked a little hesitant and, um, just, I, I was very disappointed in his performance against North Carolina. Uh, but I, I don't hate this spot at all. Gen- generally, you're, I mean, Hall is a hell of a player. He just had an off night against Carolina. Um, Calabrese, anything else you got? One last one. One of my favorite mid-majors, Western Carolina on the road at Mercer. I'd lay it up to five. The Catamounts are really good. They're 14-2 straight up. They're in five against the spread. They got a go-to score. Vontarius Woolbright is incredible. Just His, fills it up. Fills up a box score. He's like a, 10, a 10 rebounds per game. 21-12-5. He's carrying my college fantasy basketball team this year. So shout out to him. Mercer also, by the way, is going to be able to help Western Carolina's one issue offensively, which is they don't get to the line. No worries there. Mercer fouls more than just about any team in their conference. And the Catamounts have a huge advantage on the glass. A big part of that is Woolbright chipping in with, you know, over 10 boards a game. But overall, they're the 37th best defensive rebounding team by percentage in the entire country. I think that travels. You talk about, like, football, good defense travels. Rebounding travels. And I think that's going to help them get, get the best here. And finally, Western Kentucky, or excuse me, Western Carolina has been really good at not turning it over just below 11 turnovers per game. That's 55th in the country. So when you take the rebounding advantage on the glass and the fact that they're not sloppy with the basketball, this is not the year to do it, but I'm going to trust a team at the top of their conference to go on the road and cover a number. And I hope the Catamounts do it for me. You just look at his, his stat line every night and I'm like, what the, I mean, what, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. He'll have like uh, 10 points in the first half. It's, it's wild yeah. numbers he puts up. Uh, I'll, I'll bring up a, a spot. I'm curious to see where this line ends up, but Winthrop against Radford Winthrop here last year, they lost in the big South conference tournament to Radford. They lost twice in the regular season. They've talked about this game at home, triple revenge from last year. They should get to the line a ton. They have turnover issues, but Radford doesn't turn you over. I think this is, you know, Radford Winthrop defends the perimeter really well, which is important against Radford. I think this is a pretty good matchup, a great spot. Hopefully we can get them as a short, shorter favorite than maybe what I'm expecting, but had Winthrop circled Butler. I had Butler circled against Seton Hall, but maybe the uh, cat is out of the bag. Uh, Butler winning. I was hoping Butler lost at Marquette. That's a good stuck real quick. That's a good point too, because Winthrop played last night. They're done. Radford playing at Longwood tonight. So that's also a huge advantage. Yep. And then I'll look to see if we get an inflated number with Oklahoma State at Iowa State. I I mean, you're going to get double digits here. I'll see if it's inflated after that win against Houston. Iowa State might come out a little flat. It's still an offense that can go through lulls, and it's a a team that I I wouldn't mind fading uh, as a big double-digit favorite, even at Hilton. You know, it's it's not the same Hilton spot against an Oklahoma State team that's dropped a couple in a row. But that's all I got. All right, good stuff there. We have Texas A&M deep in the heart of Texas so far in the futures portfolio. Texas A&M to make the final four 14 to one. Houston to win the Big 12 regular season title at plus 200 as we continue to build our futures portfolio, which we'll do each and every Thursday night throughout the rest of the regular season. Thanks to Mike and Mike for joining me. Thanks to our producer, David, on the back end. Thanks, of course, to all of you for tuning in. 
We will be back Monday with myself, Greg Waddell, and Mike Calabrese for the early week preview. Guys from the Three Men Weave, as always, Wednesday, and then we'll be back later next week. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a five-star review, do a giveaways in one of these next couple episodes. So leave a five-star review really helps us out. Say whatever. Uh, And uh, good luck on all of your wagers this weekend. Enjoy the hoops. Enjoy the NFL playoffs. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.